Welcome to This Week in the 90s, brought to you by Live and Kicking, the original 90s football podcast. On today's show, it's great days for the Great Danes as they shock Europe at Euro 92, dark days for England at Euro 96 and World Cup 98, but happy days for David Platt and one of the greatest England World Cup goals of all time. Maybe Jesse Lingard's got something to say about that, but that's Keep It 90s here on This Week in the 90s. Hey, this is Alexi Lawless, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Remember, keep it 90s. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you're full of World Cup fever, but we're going to take you back to the 90s as we do every week here on This Week in the 90s with some some things that might make you cry, some things that will make you smile, though, including David Platt and, of course, Matthew Christ's World Cup Diaries. Yes, they are returning today. Talking of which, here he is, always here on a whatever night we do it, but it's always late night recording. Um, he is an author and journalist for many plethora of outlets. Mr. Matthew Christ, how are you doing? How are you, mate? All right, good to hear from you. Good it's always hear. nice when you come to me first. Oh, I like to mix it up, and yeah, I thought that link would work. We're looking forward to your diaries, and we've got a yeah, and, and a jingle rifling through, rifling through them as we speak. Oh, and we uh, yeah, you've been you've been hard at work creating a jingle. All, all, I, I, hear. all, all I can say is thank you very much to the Denmark France game because I was so bored by that game the other the other day that I made a jingle. So there you go. Yeah, there was a little. Well, let's, well, let's make the most of it for the next three weeks because after that, these diaries will be redundant for another. Another four years, so let's milk it while we can. Eh? Yeah, I don't think we'll be going in four years' time. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. Have faith, have faith. Well, I, don't think we, we, I think we've exhausted the 90s by that point. Um, on my other flank, my other, le- my other winger on this brilliant 11, what we have, hit more. It's only three of us. We're trying a bad link there. Um, but he is. He's a man. He's a social media mogul for TV programmes such as The Crystal Maze. Yes, he's keeping it 90s. Mr. Joel Young, how you doing, buddy? Hello, Ash. How are you? I'm good. I'm, you know, well, it's a monumentous day in 2018, isn't it? Germany gone out of the World Germany Cup. Gone out for the first time since 1938. Yeah, keep it 30s. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the first time we've taken <laughs> off the 30s box. Yeah, my diaries, my diaries don't go back that far, mate. I'm afraid. You don't no. go back to the 1930s with your diaries. No. I think something else happened between Germany and England in the 1930s and 40s. Where I, you know, I don't know whether we're going to do a war podcast at any time soon. It's not on the card. Don't mention the VAR, as I've seen tweeted many times today. Oh my God, that's going to be the headlines, isn't it? Tomorrow, it's definitely, definitely going to be the headlines. Um, that well, that segues into our first sort of subject tonight because. Today's been a bad day for Germany. I'm dating this as we record it, though, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's Let's revel in Germany's misfortune for once. Bet they're not bloody singing free lines this time, are they? Yeah. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Keeping it in is this, a, is this a good time to mention that my great-granddad was German? Oh, was he? Well, I feel sorry for him <laughs> today. I've got German ancestry as well. Well, yeah. he's not. Yeah. Well, he, I, I used to cling on to that, something rotten. I probably still would have done it this World Cup, actually, if Germany had been any good. I wish used to mention the... This great grandfather that I never knew or never knew existed and was probably long dead, but he was came in very handy in uh, uh, World Cup ninety and Euro ninety six and and so on. But can't cling to him uh, on this occasion, unfortunately. Does that mean you could have played for Germany? Um, well, based on yeah, if, if Vinnie Jones could play for yeah. Wales or, and Cas- or Cascarino, for, Cascarino for Ireland, yeah. yeah, I could. Well, in another life, I'm sure. I'm, yeah, I'm, well, I'm going to claim it. They may have wanted you on the 26th of June, 1992, for the European Championship Final of 1992. This was one of the biggest shocks 
in football, not just in this decade, but of any decade, as the Danes come in literally off the beach, as, as we well remember, to beat Germany 2-0 in the final. Um, the story behind this, as we all well know, we did a podcast on Euro 92 way back in the beginning. We called it the Forgotten Tournament because it is a tournament that nobody really ever talks about. Uh, that's because not much happened and there wasn't very many teams. Obviously, England were disastrous at this point. Um, but we remember Denmark, who weren't even supposed to be there. They were they finished second in their qualifying group, but because of the civil war in Yugoslavia, who topped the group, they were called in just eight days um, before the tournament started to replace them. They went all the way to the final. Uh, Matthew, coming to you first, because you've just written an article about this famous game for Football Whispers. So take us back to to Sweden '92 and and the great Danish, the great Danes that won the European Championship. Yeah, well, I was—I don't know about you guys, but I was very, very fond of Denmark before this tournament, purely because of their performance at the '86 World Cup of '86, and 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 particularly that kit that they wore in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite, favorite well, favorite kits. You know, there's a, I've just bought a nice humble kit, you know. Oh, you always have to bring it back to. Is that on the? Is that on the? Bing, is that on the bingo card? Oh, bringing it, it back right? to Borough. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. I, I was at a bit of a soft spot for Denmark, and um, like you say, they they snuck in through the back door uh, almost literally. I mean, whether whether that would happen now, you just don't know. You just can't imagine, for one, a team being thrown out at such late notice, and then another team being brought in. But rumour has it they're all on the beach and probably more likely in the pub enjoying themselves, and then they were drafted into uh, to a European Championship, a championship that only had eight teams, believe it or not, didn't it? There, and it was only two groups of four, which seems. Not sure whether that would again how that would go down uh, these days, but it, it, uh, didn't realise it at the time. But would be three games a day in, in Euro '92, was there? No, no. I mean, I think people, as much as people moan about the expansion of competitions, it's something we're all getting used to, and I think it would be would be a bit upset if it if it ever went back. But um, yeah, it was a it was a four a two groups of four, um, and Denmark were in England's group, weren't they? England played Denmark in the first game in that group, and it was a stinker from what I remember. Even though England... Didn't England wear your favourite ever awake in that game? Uh, no, I don't think they... I think they were white through at this tournament. Did they? I thought yeah. they wore the blue kit. No, they never... They, they, uh, the, the three Lions kit, they only wore that three oh, course, times. Oh, yeah. course, never, yeah, never wore it in a tournament. Oh, forgive me. But, um, yeah, stinker of first game, and then... Uh, Denmark snuck through. And something I didn't realise until I was looking at this earlier on, this tournament, it was only two points for a win, which I find really incredible. It was the last tournament, last international tournament where teams rewarded two points for a win. To have that in 1992, because that seems like a throwback to the dark ages, like yeah. 70s or something. Well, well, you know, you sort of expect Brian Clough to be coming out talking about his yeah. county reign and two points for a win and all that. It's such yeah. a bizarre anomaly. And a real negative, a negative as well, because if you think, you know, now a three points a win is such a huge thing. But and and I think the three points a win came into English football in late seventy, was it seventy nine, eighty, something like that. So this is some way after that. I don't know about the rest of Europe, but um, I was looking at the league tables and I was thinking, hang on a minute, how does that? And they've got a win and a draw, and they've only got three points. So I looked into it, and it was um, yeah, it was the last tournament to uh, have two points a win. It was the last tournament that was played before the back pass rule came in. Yeah. It Martin Tyler the, mentions that on the commentary for this yeah, game, actually. It was the first first tournament with the unified Germany, which obviously got to the final and got beaten. But um, but no, it was very much about Denmark. And I, I, another reason I'm very fond of Denmark, actually, is because I ran a book at school in this tournament. Um, <laughs> during... he's, always, he's like a regular Grange Hill, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, I remember we, I ran a book and um, I, I copied the odds from Teletext, wherever they were, and... Uh, and I put England in as like three to one favourites, whether that was true or not. But everyone was piling on England, putting their dinner money on, and 
Three to one, they'll put you starved, starved children. Uh, yeah, starved I've pinched, children of theirs I, in a month. I've pinched, I printed off some betting slips because my mum had a photocopier and uh, I printed <laughs> off a load of betting slips. And yeah, I. Uh, you declared this to the tax man, man. <laughs> No, so, so careful what you say. And uh, this was probably in the days when you had to pay tax on your bets as well. But uh, So I had about 15 mates putting two or three quid on England at three to one, you know, to win the tournament. So. Thank God. I think I had Denmark at 16. This was all written in the back of my homework diary, and I'm pretty sure Denmark was 16 to 1. So if in- I don't think anybody back Denmark. Everyone was on England. So thank God England had a miserable tournament and uh, and Denmark won it, because otherwise I'd have been I'd been chased, chased out of school, I think. But uh, another reason I'm fond of Denmark is they probably saved me about six years' worth of uh, paper round money or whatever or, I was doing at the time. Kickings. Yeah, or a good kicking, yeah. I'm impressed. Uh, you must have been very good at maths at school, Matthew, because, you know... No, so I, was, I was awful at maths. You, awful. You knew my your odds, dad, though, didn't you? Well, my dad's a, a big... No, I would say he's not a big gambler, but he always loved betting. I mean, I mean I've got my um, World Cup diary 1990 in front of me now. Bear in mind, I was 13 in 1990, and it's full of betting slips written in my dad's handwriting. It says a lot about my lifestyle back then. Were you but, always the one, like, you know, when you wanted to go drinking as a child and you were the one who had to go into the off-licence and put a deeper voice on and buy the Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember, because I'm, I'm, what, six, three, six, four, so I was always a bit taller than the rest. And there was me and a couple of other guys that we'd always get away with a pint of cider or we'd get sent into the off-licence um, or to put a bet on or anything else Hello. that was ele- Hello, illegal. Mate. Can I have a pint? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your voice about yeah. nine octaves deep. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm pa- painting a very grim picture of my childhood here, <laughs> and I'm be- betting and drinking. But um, but no, I just I just had this sort of love of gambling from from being stood outside betting shops for years and years when I was about eight years of age. So I just thought, oh, I'll run a, run a book, and sure enough, everyone piled on, and I, I think I uh, made a t- tidy profit out of it for a for a change, as bookies always do, as they they tell us. There's only one winner. There's only yeah. Yeah. The the bookies always win. Um, Well, I probably didn't win in this game, did they? I mean, I I watched this game back today, and I think Denmark were very good value for their win. There were some great saves in there from PH Michael, um, from Klinsman, from Riedler, uh, another one from Stefan Reuter as well. Um, But the two goals in the 18th minute from Jon Jensen, who of course went on to play for Arsenal, um, and then Kim Valforth with 10, 12 minutes from time sealed the deal. Um, Joel, what do you mean? You're on 92. We've discussed them before. It it was a bit of a forgotten tournament. What do you remember about the tournament and and this game in particular? It was just, I think, you know, it's not particularly the English disease is it really you always go for the underdog but I think in this one the whole of Europe were going for them just because you knew you were going to witness proper 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 history I think with with this one weren't you I mean that's what we all kind of thought I think once that um Schmeichel saved Van Basten's penalty yeah the semi final it almost felt like it was nailed on there because Van Basten had been the hero at uh, Euro 88 for Holland and and he stepped up, and I think it was the only one that was that didn't get converted in in that um, in that penalty shootout. So uh, yeah, he, he always almost felt, felt nailed on there. And Germany still had that sort of villains of the peace and efficiency thing running through them, and everybody, everybody, everybody was behind them. As far as I remember, I mean, do you know anybody that wanted Germany to win? Yeah, me probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I did. I was split because I loved Schmeichel at the time. He just signed. For United, you know, he was a big hero of mine. But um, yeah, I, I did did sign for Germany. I was pretty, I was pleased that Denmark won, probably because it meant that I didn't have to 
pay out on my bets. But would it be controversial in saying that this was a tournament where a lot of the teams, there were some bad teams in there? I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I mean, England were pretty useless. They did, France, they, did, they did have Andy Sinton, but they were useless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, France weren't, I don't, I don't seem to remember them being that special. Germany, I suppose they were world champions, weren't they? But they were a shadow of that that AC90 team weren't they yeah there was no Matthias in this squad yeah just it just smacks to me of a tournament that really didn't have a a really impressive favourite going into it and probably which probably did Denmark a favour really because um, because they they pounced and took their opportunity it does make you wonder from an England point of view thinking about it you know the tournament with two groups of eight you go through to a what was essentially a Semi-final. It was two semi-finals, yeah, wasn't it? And semi-final, semi-final. Final, yeah. So, yeah, that's such an opportunity, and and how England failed so miserably and didn't capitalise. Well, Greg was a manager. <laughs> well, you know, not played in too much. It was an interesting squad, wasn't it? The thing I think about Denmark as well is um, they weren't expected to do anything, so that pressure was just off them straight away. Whatever happened was a bonus, and if they'd gone and got beaten every game 3-0, then nobody would have blamed them. There wouldn't have been any great post-mortem about it, I suppose. Nobody would have criticised them. They would have just got on with it. But, you know, maybe that's something about pressure being relieved. People are going to think about that. And and another thing that I found out when I was doing it is 10 of the squad had played together before they'd all come from Bromby. Yeah, I saw that as well, yeah. 10 of them. And and so, you know, even if it's not been for a few years, you're still going to know each other's game inside out and uh, you know and with that level of relaxation there's no pressure on that's you know in a way it was just a perfect way for them to to get in into it and, and win it because none of that was there mm. well kim vilfort says that himself that they play for bromby um, also the under 21s as well he also said we had a fantastic spirit the team wanted to win that's a very good thing when you're at the highest level we were under pressure against germany it was the spirit that helped us we didn't have the best players but we had the best team which... they probably had the best goalkeeper they did have the best goalkeeper, that is true. Um, two little things I, I noticed about this is, well, both teams were playing three at the back, which we always think is a kind of newer, maybe late 90s. Glenn Hoddle invented it, yeah. But they were both playing three at the back. They both finished second in their group as well. So that's... Yeah. Yeah, so we all this talk about England tomorrow night, finishing first or second and all that nonsense. But, yeah, that's, that was, was kind of interesting. But, yeah, I mean, it was a massive shock. Um, obviously, a lot of the Danish players then went on to, to play in England. Um, John Jensen, of course, as I said, scored his only goal in a 3-1 defeat at Loftus Road for Arsenal. Um, of course... It, it, it was also the last... Was it not the last ever episode of St. Greasy? Yes, it was. Because <laughs> at the end... Because yeah. he's very... Um, Oh, how, how do I put this? Um, you, you see him driving off into, well, riding a boat thing in the sunset, and he's got a Viking helmet on, being very Jimmy Greaves, very stereotypically to the uh, Scandinavians, I suppose. He's trying to, to paint them with all the same brush. But yeah, I suppose it was the last Saint Greaves, because at, at this point, ITV then lost all the TV rights for the uh, the Premier League that would start in that um, in that August, didn't they? Because so, yeah. yeah. something, because if you, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, if you, it's funny if you watch back some of that. That episode, I think, is available to watch again, and I have watched it again. And, and you can really tell they know that it's like the last day of school. They know that they've lost the rights. They know yeah, they're they going, care. and they're they're really quite sort of flippant about everything. So, uh, oh, great shame! I think I really, really like Saint Greedy without being ironic and doing all that sort of talking head stuff. I still think Saint Greedy was a fantastic show of its time, but um, of an era, I suppose. Just about to say, one thing we've never mentioned on this program. As concerned with St. Greasy in 1991 is the time that Donald Trump appeared on it 
and did the League Cup draw. Yeah, yeah and drew, drew United against Leeds. Yeah, Very. And he drew. Uh, I think we. I think he drew us against Peterborough. Yeah, I'd have to be going double check that. But we've never, and, and that is an absolutely bizarre bit of television because there's no Donald Trump had no clue what the, no. would have been the Rumbleos Cup then. <laughs> it would have been, yeah, it would have been what ninety, uh, yeah, Rumbleos, yeah, it would have been. And he got he got awarded a, a Saint Greasy mug for his troubles as well, didn't he? Did he? I've been yeah. impressed it always because they they were in they were in America because that was the draw for the group stage of qualification for the ninety four World Cup. So the draw for the qualifying rounds was taking place in America. So they went out there to do the show. And uh, Jim Rosenthal was basically the sort of the fixer of the program. And he was given a few numbers, Al Pacino and a few people that obviously weren't going weren't gonna to do it. And someone said, well, I've got the number for Donald Trump if you, if, you, uh, if you want to try him. And they said, yeah, why not? And of course, Trump being Trump, as you know now, probably now more than we did then, was just up for anything. He invited them in. And, uh, and did the draw. But what's interesting is, if you think back about it, it was broadcast on St. Greasy. Now, there's no way that show could have been live at the time. So no. does that mean that they did the draw and just kept it quiet oh, until it was broadcast on St. Greasy? Yeah. Because that, that's astonishing. Imagine doing that now. And basically well, you saying, couldn't just, social media, could you? There was this... Yeah. Uh, well, they did, so, they're doing the, uh, the... They do the League Cup draw out in Shanghai or somewhere, don't they? And, yeah, but it's still broadcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll pass in the morning. We, but, I mean, imagine... It went terribly imagine, wrong as well, didn't it, last season? Imagine someone doing that and going, right, but don't tell anyone the, the, what the draw is. We're going to rerun it tomorrow on uh, on See, football, football, football Focus. But, um, but yeah, it's because at the time I didn't think. You just assumed it was live, but it obviously wasn't. But um, it was a great one show now. Yeah, but live, yeah. So Donald but, Trump um, managed to do the draw for the League Cup. He managed to be in Home Alone and he managed to be in WWE across this decade. That, and, that. and yet, and yet, you know, we've got to episode seventy yards or somewhere wherever we're at, and this is the first time we've mentioned it. Yeah, how did he become president? That's for another podcast for sure. Um, <laughs> let's tie a bow in Germany's demise and um, give them something to cheer about as we look back on Euro '96. This is kind of almost at the end. I know last week we spoke uh, about the Spain game and the Holland game. Um, this is uh, the brutal end for England. This is twenty sixth of June 1996. 26th of June is quite a popular date because we've got something else coming up later on the 26th of June as well. Um, Germany, England, Euro 96. Um, I mean, I didn't need to do much research on this game because I I feel like it's imprinted on me such as I've watched this game so many times. Um, It's it's a better game than I always remember actually when I did actually watch it back. Um, Joe, I mean, England were unlucky in this one, weren't they? I think of all the time, the games they played, I think this is up there with the Holland game. I think they played really well in this game. And in the end, it was those bloody penalties again, wasn't it? Oh, just the the chances, you know. Ince has a good chance earlier on. Yeah. Um, there's the, obviously Sheila with his with his header. Um, Sheridan, uh, sorry, Anderton hits the post, yeah. doesn't he, at one point? you know, In extra time, Sheila. yeah. And then obviously, you know, poor Gaza. And it's like we say every time we watch it, you're expecting it. I still did. Just get to it. And I still did it. And I went, even now when I watched it tonight, I went, oh, Gaza, 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 Gaza. The thing that I'd, I'd blocked out my memory from this game and I got really, really angry was the way that Moller was poncing about at the final yeah. whistle. You know, walking about with his chest. Apparently that, was, apparently that was his uh, tribute to Mick Jagger. Oh, was it now? <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, yeah. Apparently, he said he did it as almost like a one-up, you know, a middle finger up to the whole sort of English establishment thing, and and was taking basically taking the piss out of Mick Jagger. Now, I don't know. I can't be sure that he actually said that, but that's I definitely heard that somewhere. But, but for one, it didn't look anything like Mick Jagger, and it 
it did just look completely camp and ridiculous, didn't it? Yeah, it, I got me. I'd forgotten all about it. It really, I, I had to black it out of my mind. I remember. I'm, I'm going to invoke a local news agent in Middlesbrough. Yeah, by oh, the way, we're doing well for oh, local news agents. This is good. I remember. What was, his, what was his name? It was. It was a lady. It was Mrs. Dunn. Oh. Never got, very first, never got on Mrs. first name Dunn. turns with Mrs. Well, Dunn. You know, no, it's just, you know, they obviously knew Joel's reputation. We just, have, we just have good manners in Middlesbrough. It's and true. We address our elders and betters just by their surname, Mrs. Dunn. You know, just the polite thing to do. I don't know what it's like, you know, where you're No, not in South East London, you know, no. You can, just be, you can just be ruder than usual. <laughs> That's what we do. But, uh, and I, but I, went, I went and sat down the end of the, end of the road, came out of my friend's house. Uh, where I'd been watching it, just went. I had a can in my hand, and Rita. See, we were all right with her in her corner shop. It's the corner <laughs> shop, the newspaper shop. Mike and Rita sound, and Rita looked out the window and saw me sitting there, and she shrugged her shoulders at me. And Mrs. Dunn came out, lovely old lady, sort of, you know, the late sixties, early seventies. She came out and she sat next to me on the curb. She put her arm around me and she went, "Never mind, Joel. You know, it's only a game." Have you ever wanted to punch an old woman? <laughs> Hang on a minute. What was it? A can of special brew? Or? Just a can of just a can of lager, a can of Carlin, yeah. probably. Yeah. But yeah, I really wanted to smack her in the face. I've never had anything <laughs> like that before. Did, did she have hair like uh, Muller? Was it that? Was it? The, did she have the, the same curly, sort of hair? Just, just curly head. One, but she was trying to do such a nice thing. But honestly, I wanted to kill her. <laughs> like, yeah, fuck off, Mrs. Dunn. You know, but I had to sort of smile. Really <laughs> even even like, while abu- verbally abusing her, you're calling her Mrs. Yeah, Dunn. Yeah, I was <laughs> just like looking at her going, no, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, my face is sort of giving off sadness, but, you know, thank you for being nice. But no, I wanted to smack her right in her stupid old chops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good story. I remember this night quite well as well. Not quite as... Um... Mrs. Dunn, but uh, I was watching it with my uh, my best mate Adam at the time, watching it at home. Um, we were obviously very downtrodden of the result, and we got we walked back to his house and, and realised his cat got run over the same night. Oh Christ! Yeah. So yeah, it, it was a bad night for Adam. I mean, um, it wasn't my cat. It was very sad, but yeah, it was. I always that always sticks in my mind that we were already gutted about England, and then one of his cats got run over the same night as well. God. So yeah, it was a bad bad night for us all. Um, and there, um. Not as bad as it was for the cat. No, or could have been Mrs. Dunn as well. So, yeah, well, Mrs. Yeah, well, on me, I could have ended up in jail. At least you weren't on a roof, Joel. That's 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 take it for that. No, that's good. That yeah. that did about a week and a half before. <laughs> yeah, um, Matthew, your memories of this game. Um, looking back on it, I mean, I I think you know, despite the disgusting kit that England were wearing, that they were so unlucky, weren't they? Yeah, well, I don't know how to how to top those two anecdotes. No, no, they're but, quite um, yeah, quite depressing, aren't I, they? I, I actually watched this game in the University of Exeter Student Union Bar. Not that I went to the University of Exeter, but uh, a mate of mine did, and we happened to be down there and. I watched it in there, and it was one of those. It was one of those games where you know the place was up and down and up and down. And everyone was throwing beer around, and just the kind of place I don't like to watch football, to be honest, because it's just it was just carnage. But um, yeah, like you said, though, what what a game! I mean, quite often, like we said the other week with England in 1990, quite often England teams bluff their way to quarterfinals and semi-finals, and then there's a big. Yeah, a lot of crying and moaning afterwards about it. But with this England performance and this team in this competition, you can't really knock them. Apart from the Spain game, probably in the first game against Switzerland, they pretty much, pretty much, probably were the best team in the tournament. And again, in this game, could have easily, easily been two or three up. But, uh, but as you say, it wasn't wasn't meant to be. And um, I mean, I, I'm trying to think who. Obviously, Southgate missed a penalty. Who else? Did somebody? Did they, was that the only penalty that was yeah, missed? It was, it was, it was wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five, yeah. 
I was trying to think who didn't step up out of that team that, that maybe should have done. Um, yeah, Paul Ince. Was it famously, was it Ince that yeah. shirked it, was yeah. it? Yeah, I remember, uh, yeah. And then he tried. Then he did step up two years later and missed, didn't he? Yeah. So, we'll get to that in a second. Um, yeah, well, it could be. I mean, it could be the most important missed penalty in the history of English football, that, because Southgate has now gone on and said, doesn't matter what the press do to me. Doesn't matter where I'm yeah, playing. This, the manager he's become. Is, yeah. Nothing is ever going to be as bad as doing that. He said, "But I've learned from it and I've moved on." And and I think it sort of helped him the way he's protecting and developing the squad at the moment. Are you, you trying know? to say he's put it? It's helped him put things in perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's the term, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're after his redemption, aren't we, in 2018? That's quite what it could well be. Um, yeah, you mentioned Shearer scored the goal uh, really early on, wasn't it? It was three minutes in. Um, Stefan Kuntz then equalised for Germany 60 minutes. Always reminds me of that fantasy football uh, sketch. I think it was probably the same night because they were doing the, World Cup, uh, the Euro ones at the time. And I think Frank Skinner said, I didn't like what John Motson said of the German team. And he showed this commentary clip of uh, John Motson going silent about the Germans, then just went, Kuntz, which was as fantasy football was, pointed out the very obvious and the very funny at the time. Um, and then went to penalties. And as we mentioned, Gary Southgate was the one that missed after, it has to be said, 10 absolutely excellent penalties from both teams. I mean, the Germans were expert penalty takers, but Shearer, Platt, Pierce, Gascoigne and Sheringham. I mean, I think Stuart Pierce's was all the, all the sweeter against Germany, even though we had had that redemption against Spain. I think the one against Germany was also just as sweet. Um, and that was the end of Euro 96 um, for England. I always remember that shot of this is this bloke who's got a black T-shirt on, black hair, and he's, he's got his el- pointy elbows out with his head, heads in his hand. Always remember that clip. And, of course, Barry Davis's famous commentary of, Oh, no! As Gareth Southgate missed the penalty, that always sticks out. Um, you mentioned Moller's pose at the top there, Joel. He, he says, "Is a quote I found of him. He says, Paul Gascoigne asked me, why did you celebrate like that? He said, I don't know. It was a sign of proudness, apparently. <laughs> All right. On the plus side, I did win 80 quid because Shearer scored that goal after three <laughs> minutes. And I did have Shearer to be top scorer in that competition. So another tournament where I cleaned up. So, oh, well, I won, I won a horse bet today, 10 to 1. God! Oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for sharing that. Oh, I, I need to start. I need to, to bring something to the gambling table. I'm not, I need to get on this. Um, my my father-in-law had a bet on Germany to win the whole competition, so he is a he's not a happy man tonight. Um, I was going to mention Terry Venables, of course, was the manager, and he said about the tournament, the supporters pushed us every inch of the way, and I'd like to thank them on behalf of the players. It's a shame not to get to the final. We did our very best. I think we proved we can compete with the very best. We've shown the progression that we've made. I thought our performance in the second half was excellent, and really we had the chances to finish it off in extra time, but it wasn't to be. Um, It sure wasn't. I always remember the walk-away montage. Do you remember that, guys, from the BBC? Oh, we cast. Cast, yeah. You get the feeling they wrote that song and with these kind of montages yeah, in mind. Yeah, definitely. Tune. Absolute tune. I was a big fan of cast back in the day. So, yeah, they, I remember they used that um, at the end. And it was very, yeah, it was a bad night for all. Um, and it continued two years later. I mean, we talk, when we talk about the World Cup, Joe, we did the World Cup podcast. We talk in the games that of each tournament. It always seems to involve England. I think this is one of the best games of the decade. 30th of June, 1998. Uh, Matthew briefly mentioned it there. England 2, Argentina 2. Again, the penalty curse. Uh, Matthew, coming to you first though, but this game, another thing, had absolutely every one of the games of the decade for me. How about you? Yeah, again, I think it was another classic example of England losing a game they should have won, but getting through after a series of games that they were pretty poor in. I don't really remember them being that impressive in this tournament even though the other week we discussed I can't remember what we were discussing was it Glenn Hoddle or maybe this tournament but 
what a great squad England had mm. going into that tournament with the, the sort of players that likes of uh, obviously Gaza didn't make it, but you had Owen on the scene and uh, Fowler and all these great uh, great players that they had to choose from, and uh, they all seem to hit the straps this this evening. No more so than Michael Owen with that brilliant goal that sort of announced himself onto the onto the world stage. And it, I mean, when you watch it again, it really is a, a brilliant goal, isn't it? I mean, it's just so typical of of Michael Owen, the pace and the acceleration, and then that sort of classic finish into the into the top corner. But yeah, like you said, they had everything at that. They had the Beckham sending off. Um, so camp, uh, it was a goal disallowed, wasn't there? Um, yep. Still should yeah, be allowed. Yeah, still, which VAR may have, <laughs> yeah. may not, we don't know. Um, yeah, controversy, controversy, excitement, uh, drama, and another penalty shootout, which this time Paul Lynch did step up after criticism two years earlier that he didn't have the balls to do so. And uh, he stepped up and showed probably why he didn't step up two years previously um but yeah yeah he was never a, he was never a penalty taker really was he no he was not, not i remember he wasn't did he take one united said, did he ever take no one? Oh, he may have done in a shootout, in a shootout yeah. he may have done against torpedo moscow maybe but never was never a penalty i mean he, when he first went to united he was never known for a goal scorer he didn't mm. he didn't score in his first 20 odd games he was just a, a machine of a midfielder these days you probably couldn't get away with that a midfielder of his Sort of talent you'd be expected to got, to add, got to add goals to his game. You got to add twenty goals a season. Whereas then it wasn't the case. It was he was, he was just a, a purely a creator. So in his defence, maybe he shouldn't have been called up to take a penalty, but he should really be able to hit the yeah. You know, I the don't. Think the there's, never, there's never ever an excuse. I don't think for a footballer not to be able to hit the target at least from twelve yeah, yards. I don't yeah. care about pressure. I don't care about anything else that goes on. You know, I understand the odd slip up but you should be able to do that 99 times out of 100 no danger yeah my dad that is yeah. you sound like my dad there Joel that's his that is his line all the time he says you know how a professional can't hit the target from 12 yards that is their job you look at Harry Kane's penalties at the weekend that's how you take oh, a brilliant. penalty like they all should be able to do that you know the you've way just boxed it you've just boxed him there you know he's going to miss now in the semi-final yeah. I've got faith in Harry um, but this game um, Joe we talked about this on our World Cup podcast we did a couple of weeks ago um, what's your abiding memory obviously young Michael and the goal as Matthew mentioned but I mean it, what I remember is it wasn't it was the pace but it was the change of direction and the way he was mm. able to jink and just change in, in less than a blink of an eye just his direction it, it, the direction that he ran in I thought that was wonderful there's a brilliant bit for the uh, penalty the England penalty where Scholes heads the ball and it takes out four Argentina players for then going to run towards their defence and, and get taken out and, and that had just completely wiped from my memory. Yeah, I'll, I'll um, go back and look at that. But, um, you know, and, and for the two, for the equaliser for Argentina. It's a great free kick. Clever free kick where it's just, instead of Batistuta firing it in, it's just like the little, um, one of their guys is in the wall, fire it across and just over Zanetti, just what a wonderful, wonderful thing. I still remember, I remembered Kim Nielsen's name as well without yeah, having to Yeah, me up. too, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, would, I was like, as soon as I looked at him, I went, oh yeah, Kim Nielsen. Yeah, and I went, he's oh, giraffe-looking yeah, neck, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. No, it was, like, it, was it was a frantic, it was a really frantic game from what I remember uh, watching it live. It just seemed to be really, really to and fro, because you remember... 
when Campbell had that goal disallowed, England sort of ran off celebrating. Yeah, they I ran think down the, the Argent- pitch. Argentinians yeah. knew that it had been disallowed, and they were trying to run down the other end and score. So it was just, it was, it was a. I just remember it being a real frantic affair, and uh, one of those games at the end of it where everyone's just absolutely knackered, just from, purely from watching it on the television. Mm, yeah, the two things that always stick out for me is that Kevin Keegan's famous line on the commentary, which again was mocked by fantasy football that night, when he said, do you think that, uh, quickly Kevin, do you think he's going to score? And obviously David Batty didn't, having played under Kevin Keegan. And then the uh, the newspaper headline the next day, I think it was the Daily Mirror, Daily Mirror 10 Heroic Lions, 1 Stupid Boy, because we can't talk about this game without talking about David Beckham and the hurrah that followed this tournament and the hate campaign against him. At the time, Joel, what were your feelings at David Beckham? Were you as angry as the rest of the country? I went, but, well, I don't think I was angry enough to hang an effigy on no, him. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, which, I mean, happened. It, that wasn't it actually just happened. Thing. Yeah. That happened quite, like, that happened in a few places around the country. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, it happened at, West, happened at West Ham. I, West yeah, Ham, I remember. Definitely. And it was... I mean, it is outrageous. But when I was watching it today, I was like, in the moment, you know, because it's gone, oh, he's done a stupid thing. But in the and, and Kim Nielsen is literally four yards away from him, which is, is ridiculous. But I was like, well, in the moment, because Simeone has an half-clattered Beckham being fair. Yeah. But he just does the stupid, petulant thing. And it probably, it set David Beckham's reputation back in this country. Probably, you know, about, <laughs> I don't know what the comparable scale is, but, you know, yeah, really, he was he was really in the doghouse for a long, 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 long time. He probably wasn't redeemed until the goal against Greece. Really, yeah. do, do you think in a in a in a bizarre way though, in hindsight, the way it's turned out, do you think it almost worked out well for him? I'm not saying did it. Did, yeah, it made him it almost, not did him a favour, but it sort of put him on the map, and then. By him having to come back and win everybody over, it, it probably I think he probably had to work harder to do it. Yeah, I think I don't, and I, I would never accuse him, accuse him of swanning along because he's always being known as a hard worker, especially when he was very young at Manchester United. But yeah, I mean, you've got to be. It probably allowed him to draw on strength, internal strength that he never knew he had. Because how do you go through that without cracking up, without people wanting to kill you? Mm. I mean, and that you know, that's not a normal thing to happen. I can't think of any anybody else that that's happened with in this country across across politics across sport across anything like well, well miss, mrs dunn mrs dunn might disagree <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 I, I, I haven't made an energy of it yet but now i'm thinking i might it's a great story arc isn't it to david beckham i think that's what you could say that he did do this you know I'd say terrible thing, but it was just a sort of petulant thing, as you said. Um, And then had that 2001 game against Greece and then the Argentina penalty as well at the World Cup the following year. So I I guess in a way, I I, I was thinking the same thing before you said it, Matthew, that it kind of worked for him in a way that the David Beckham story has these ebbs and flows and these ups and downs. I do think it worked out that well. As a Man United fan at the time, did it kind of make him more of your own? Because it's like... It was like you, yeah. you, as a club, you put your arms around him, didn't you, and said, he's ours, don't worry about England. Yeah, I mean, I, it went on for some time afterwards. I mean, United fans almost took it upon themselves to <laughs> to hate England. I remember going to games and everyone had Argentina flags. and I mean, it, was a, it was a reaction. I mean, I'm not, not sure United fans have always been the biggest sort of England fans. A lot of the big clubs aren't, but uh, I'm not saying, you know, some people don't care, but... Yeah, I remember going to games like West Ham and, and Tottenham and, and Chelsea and all over the place and everyone just completely let their anger out on Beckham. So the United fans sort of took it upon themselves to be his sort of uh, his personal uh, representatives and, and, and almost 
rallied against them, you know, singing anti-England songs, and it was it was tit for tat. But it was a, it was the classic sort of football fan reaction. You know, if you you have a go at one of ours, we're going to give it back, kind of thing. And um, I'm sure it probably would have happened. I can certainly imagine Liverpool fans doing the same, and and uh, certain other clubs sticking up for themselves because it was completely unacceptable. It's one thing sort of having a dig. I mean, I mean, you compare it to the, the sort of love that Gascoigne got. I mean, Gascoigne, you know, wasn't a villain in the same way, but everyone absolutely loved him for for what was basically a, a failure. And uh, I certainly don't remember any treatment similar to to what Beckham got from the likes of Pierce and uh, Southgate. So I, I think it was partly because he was the whole sort of uh, going out with the Spice Girl part of that United team, the, the hair, the looks. I think it was more a sort of a jealous backlash really I don't think it would have happened if it had been David Batty for example um, <laughs> but uh, but oh I think he came out of it well and I think I think the United fans I think they reveled in that opportunity to stick it up everybody because that was in the sort of peak era of United pissing everyone off anyway so it was it played into their hands really but um, but like you say if you wrote it as a musical or a, a book or a play you, you couldn't have written it any better could you because it if you'd said to him at the time, this is going to work in your favour, or you're going to come back from this, he probably wouldn't have believed you. But uh, I think it made him come back a better person and a better player, to be honest. Mm, not, so, not saying he wouldn't have been if it hadn't happened, but he, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it did him, did him a favour in the long run. I should have said that newspaper headline. I remember it well because I was delivering papers for Frank's the next morning. Um, I was, going to, I found some quotes um, about the. There's many quotes from many players. Four four two did a great article on this game a couple of years ago, but the one that stuck out for me was from Tony Adams. He said, "I admired Beckham for crying. I was first back in the dressing room and he was in tears. I went over to him and said, it 'It's all your fucking fault, you idiot. That was my, <laughs> my, my, my last chance to do well in a World Cup and you've ruined it.' He looked at me. Eventually, saw I was half joking. It broke the depression slightly." Quite lucky that it did. <laughs> Tunning cheek maybe, Tony, but probably not the best thing to say to the lad at the time. But um, it was another heartbreak for England there at World Cup 98, a World Cup that I think personally we could have gone on great squad, as Matthew mentioned there, um, but it wasn't to be in penalties. was that dreaded curse again. It wouldn't be the end as well as we go into the next decade. Um, but we're going to finish tonight on a higher note, a lighter note, a better note, uh, talking about England. But before we do... We're going to travel back in time for our newest feature, where Matthew Chris takes us back to the young Matthew Chris, the gambling <laughs> Matthew Chris, as we've heard already tonight. Before we do, though, we've got a jingle. Oh, yes, here it is in all its glory. It's probably a bit too long, as Joel's already mentioned, but you're going to listen to it anyway. Here's a, here is Matthew's World Cup Diaries. Making insinuations about my husband. Again, over his shoulder. Stands staring and shouting as in comes Lineker and scores! England lead by three to two. You betrayed my trust, Carl. You destroyed everything I ever believed in, everything we brought our children up to believe in. You can't, you just cannot walk back in here and expect everything to be the way it was before. Well, Cup Diary. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. It took me all of um, Denmark, France to get that together. It was more fun putting quotes together from neighbours in Coronation Street than watching that stupid Tory. I did like it. I did like Susan Kennedy. That made me happy. That was classic. That was a classic moment in, in the neighbours' history, that was. But what was going on in Matthew's life? Um, let's go 1995, Matthew. So we're, we're sort of the last week of June. What happened yeah. in, the, in the world well, these, of Matthew Christ? 
these aren't as entertaining as, as the four years later, obviously, because we'll I'd, only ju- I'd only just started my drinking and gambling career uh, <laughs> in, the, in 1990. But let's have a look. So Tuesday, 26th of June, England, Belgium. Um, I've got a little report here. It says Belgium hit the post twice and played well. England had lots of chances and played their best and most skillful football so far. David Platt scored in the last minute of extra time. Four stars out of five. No, that's a good uh, rating. Not same, but it was good. Uh, the same day, you had Spain won Yugoslavia too. Not the best game, a bit negative in it, but became entertaining extra time. Three stars. Now, it was cloudy, quite warm, some sunshine, 22 degrees. And on this day... I went on a school trip to the Mary Rose in Portsmouth. Ooh. Oh, so, that's good. The one that was the one that was raised and was shown on Blue Peter. Yeah, the one that was. Yeah, I remember watching that live uh, mm. live on television in the school dining room. And yeah. that educational. Um, so that was not better than the day your teacher wheels in a television. Oh, yeah. Especially if they're yeah. going to show Geordie Racer as well. Geordie Racer. Good old Geordie Racer. Yeah, good old Geordie Racer. I also sold an Atari ST. This mm. week as well. Do you, remember, right, yeah. do you remember those? Yeah, they uh, were. Atari yeah, was. Uh, it. Did, were you moving up in the gaming world then? Is that why you said I think, yeah, it? I went to an Amiga yeah, 500. Yeah. Amiga. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I remember the Amiga well. I remember the uh, player manager and all those kind of things. But I could, the ST, I can't really remember. It was more my brothers than mine. I think I was. So you sold your brother's that. ST, is that what Yeah, well, I assume he sold it and then we kind of probably. It was probably one of those where we got it for a Christmas present. So then we were obliged to sell it and. <laughs> I probably put the money on a horse. To I was about to say, was it your gambling uh, debt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, you used it to set up your old string of bookmakers across the country. Yeah. Why didn't I move on in life and uh, go into bookmaking? I don't know. So, so let's have a look. Uh, let's go forward four years to 1994. Now, Sunday is 26th of June, which is what uh, this week, isn't it? Yeah. yeah this week. So we had Brazil four, Greece nil. Colombia two, Switzerland well, yeah. nil. Uh, USA nil, Romania one. Is that right? Yeah, that would have been right. Yeah, and now being a Sunday, the charts came out. No, no. But before that, we just get to the news. Now it says a woman in the Turkish bomb explosion dies in hospital. Now that slips my mind. I don't remember what bomb explosion that was. But then it says here six people are shot and injured at Glastonbury Festival. Again, yeah, I, don't rec- I don't yeah. remember that. Well, I see it's here in uh, in. Black- well, I would Byron. never say you're a liar. But more importantly, it's the uh, top ten this week. So oh, should we go with, what's in the top ten? Go with, let's go in four. Well, it's got to be wet, wet, wet number one. Uh, well, 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 let's go in reverse order. <laughs> so got num- number ten, Get Away by Max. Max yeah, that's Max. a terrible record. Yeah, number nine, No Good, Prodigy. Oh, okay. Number eight, Go On go on, Move, Real to Real. Mm-hmm. Don't know that one, but is that one of the ones that sounded exactly like, like yeah, the other one? Yeah, I would have done, yeah. Uh, number seven, Anytime You Need a Friend, Mariah Carey. Oh, good yeah, on Mariah, back in the day. That was gonna, when Mariah was really good looking before yeah, she lost her exactly, absolute yeah, marbles. Yeah. You're going to need to do a, some kind of bed underneath, underneath yeah, this, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah you have to play, um, <laughs> yeah. play yeah. music. Yeah. So then you got Don't Turn Around, Ace of Bass. Oh, from their, very from nice. Their, from number one from their rec- record-breaking debut album, that was. The most, the biggest selling debut album in history, that was at the time. Bloody hell. I, and I bought, what's it called? I, Summit Nation? Yeah. Uh, I bought it. I can't remember what it's called. No. But anyway, uh, uh, You Don't Love Me, Dawn Penn. Okay, oh, yeah. I swear, all for one. Oh, now we're talking. No, no. Leave them out of it, Joel. 
straight in at number three, Swamp <laughs> Thing by Grid. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good record, the banjos, yeah. Last week's number four is now this week's number two. Oh, this is good. Ba- Baby, I Love Your Way, Big Mountain. Big Mountain um, from the film Reality Bites, starring Minona Ryder. And Joe Cooler earlier on. Yes. <laughs> number one. <laughs> 26th of June, 1994. Love is all around. Wet, wet, wet. Mm. Being fair, it was number one for 16 weeks. 16 weeks, yeah. Wasn't it 15? Didn't didn't they draw it out of the sales because they didn't want to beat Brian Adams? Wasn't that what happened? No, 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 no. What what happened was uh, Wigfield Saturday Night was coming out and everybody knew that that was going to be number one. So in an attempt to stay at number one for another week, they pulled it saying that, uh, oh, we're sick of it, everybody's sick of it now. But what they actually wanted to do was get the record-breaking week but it didn't happen because we failed out sold it anyway and god bless you sammy carlson because that's a tune yeah it's an absolute tune whitfield and, and and i'll have nothing bad said about all for one they may be a boys to men knockoff but they, i used to i used to sing that a lot to uh little you know girlfriends at the time that was my song of choice to woo them if i could didn't work obviously um, well it's uh it's good you know you're not going to talk for a talky bit in a song that bit in boys to men uh, i'll make love to you oh yeah you know baby. It, is it that one where you talk oh, no, baby. the road where he talks uh, yeah oh baby i love you it's both of them actually yeah he's now a yeah, newsreader yeah. michael mccory he was now well, a news- he should be yeah. He should be with that voice. Yeah, he's not in Boys to Men anymore. There's only three of them, but yeah, he's a newsreader. He left them. They keep doing cruises and stuff like that, don't they? Which is quite wild. I've seen them quite a few times. I saw I saw them at the O2 last time, and the next time I was at the O2, I was do I was performing on the same stage because I did the live GP show. So that was quite a thing. I was like, oh, I was there. I was that you, you were at that as well, but it was quite a monumental thing to be on the same stage as Boys to Men were just months earlier. But God, we've gone off a tangent there. Was there no news on Corey yeah. or Neighbours this week? Well, that that was a Sunday. So let's go on to Monday, twenty yeah, seventh June, happened. which is. What, What's the date? This is the 27th, isn't it? 27th day, yeah. Yeah, so this day you had Germany 3, South Korea 2, ironically. Uh, great game of football. Germany seemed to be coasting at 3-0 at half-time, but Korea always looked dangerous for the host of chances. They managed to pull back two goals and could have easily equalised. Isn't that funny? So that's 24 years ago today. No one's mentioned yeah. that either. I haven't seen that anywhere. But I haven't seen that mentioned at all. Bad research. Yeah. Bad research. I suppose it, I suppose it wouldn't have been. Well, they should have con- consulted me, shouldn't yeah. they? <laughs> uh, well, but... But more importantly, Jeremy Bates is knocked out of Wimbledon by Guy Forget. Jeremy oh, right Bates, there. bloody hell. Yeah. But, uh, but in Neighbours, let's, let's see what's happening oh, in Neighbours. <laughs> so, Neighbours, 27th of June, 1994. Helen returns to hear the news that Julie tried to kill herself and Philip, oh, is, seeing, Philip is seeing Beth. Now, she that's Helen Daniels. Yeah. Had, 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 had Helen been to the Bungle Bungles or something? I assume so. I had That's those ones. The, God, the, Martin, yeah, the Martin so. family really went through it, didn't they? Yeah, I don't remember. A, I don't remember a suicide bid from Julie Martin. But, uh, that. So that was, and then in Coronation Street, we had Alex moves in with Tanya. No, we, we, we know Alex is now. Yeah. 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 Last so time Alex. there was this, this love triangle. Alex, there's Des Barnes, who was apparently from from Hartlepool, oh, and, his, <laughs> and his Mrs. Tanya, and then there's this. Char- character Alex that we since found out was Captain Bertarelli in Hello uh, Hello and, and he's also Tiffany's dad and he's Tiffany's dad yeah. in EastEnders as well so he's moved in with Tanya Des Barnes's ex and she seems happy <laughs> she seems happy with the arrangement Des lets oh. himself I'm sure she did Des lets himself into Tanya's flat in the middle of the night and asks her to explain herself well, oh, that sounds she normal sh- she should be <laughs> asking him to explain himself yeah. after breaking in but um, and male then, privilege and uh, that was the 28th. Can we, can we go on to the 29th or is that going into No, we're still in the oh, same week. Yeah, that's, that's finished so on the 29th. Let's finish on the 29th. Uh, the games in the 29th were Saudi Arabia 1, Belgium 0. Didn't even get a write-up from me, so I'd obviously lost interest in, in the <laughs> stage. 
Holland 2, Morocco 1. Uh, in the news, the Prince Charles documentary is broadcast. I don't remember that. Is that the squidgy one? I don't oh, the one with know. The you speak for yourself. I can't remember. They quite like their documentary. Yeah, right, which was in yeah, the 90s, didn't they? they? Did, I remember yeah. Diana did one. But, um, so, but even so, Wednesday 29th, Coronation Street, Des and Alex fight after Des let himself into Tony's apartment. <laughs> It's quite an incredible thing to have for Des Barnes to have done. Yeah. Alex leaves Tanya and Tanya tells Des she doesn't want him. I don't know whether that's Alex or Des. Tanya claims to be blackmailed. No, no, Tanya claims Des blackmailed her and hit her in an effort to win support of Raquel and Bette. Oh, Raquel. This is bizarre. Sarah Lancashire. Yeah, and I assume that was Bet Turpin. Yeah, who's now deceased. No, Bet Lynch. No, hold on. Bet Lynch or Betty Turpin. Oh, it could have been one well, of the other. It says Bet. Now, was well, Bet, it's Bet, that's Bet, Bet, that's Bet, Bet Lynch. Yeah. Bet was Betty, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, always get Bet Lynch involved or get on your side. So, uh, well, she's a fiery woman, isn't she? She was. She was indeed. But what, what an eventful week that was in Coronation Street. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Neighbours for all, all that matter. Yeah. If, only I'd been, if only I'd been writing down TV uh, goings on in 1990 that rather than... We'd have loved that. Yeah. Rather than school trips and uh, and bets, oh, nice. not that kind of bet, not bet Gilroy. Yeah. It's nice to have a variety of, of what happened in your life during those two tournaments. It, it's not. I once ran into Bet Lynch in a hotel. Uh, I was about to interview Kofi Kingston, who's a WWE superstar, and it was. Uh, I literally walked into her, um, which was quite embarrassing. I wonder if she was there to see Kofi Kingston, but she wasn't best pleased to. To see uh, to me bump into her, um, so yeah. Was Joe, she wearing leopard skin? No, she was wearing. A, I think she was wearing like a shell suit or something like that. Keep <laughs> it classy, Bentley. Yeah. Was this was this post post coronation? Oh yeah, way past it. Yeah, I, I did. I'd forgot she even existed at this point. Um, well, actually, that's talk, why you walked into it. Talking of walking into people, you, Joel, do you remember the first night we met? I almost sent Ruth Langford flying. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, and I went on to work with Ruth later on. So, yeah, yeah. She's. It's it's claimed she's a big wrestling fan, but last time I talked to her about it, she said no. I just sit there and sort things out in my phone while the boys watch. The <laughs> so she does. She doesn't care. Uh, I was I was I was putting my coat on and nearly knocked her out with my flame flaming arm. So um, yeah, and sorry. she's a tall lady. She is a very tall lady, and I'm a tall and I'm a small man. So I don't know how that happened. Um, anyway. That was Matthew uh, Christie's uh, diaries. I won't play the jingle again because we're running out of time, but I will talk about what we started that brilliant segment on, and that is David Platt's goal, England-Belgium, 26th of June, 1990. I've simply got in my notes here, Joel, best England goal to World Cup ever? Discuss. It's it's a wonderful pirouette. It looks balletic in its, uh, in its form. It's Gascoigne with a chip-free kick in, and just he watches it coming over mm. his shoulder and connects... So perfectly, oh, and then it's just such a beautiful pivot. And then, of course, we've got the line: "England have done it in the last minute of extra time," which goes on to use uh, further use six years later. Yeah, so, very, oh. very familiar. Yeah, mm. yeah, perfect though, wonderful. I mean, it's just it just seemed to flow in, and it was one of those moments at the time where everything slows down, yeah. and, and it just serving, and it you know they made it look like anybody could do it and then you go back and watch it and it's such a delightful bit of skill from both of them really you know for Gascoigne to place it there and for uh, Platt to wallop it with such beauty it's spectacular isn't it it always I tell you what else people forget about as well you know Butcher and Waddle dancing yeah, yeah doing the doing doing little, do the disco yeah doing that little disco dance yeah, yeah people yeah. just forget all about that it's very wacky 
Yeah, I remember um, Gary Lineker's happy face in the bundle afterwards as well. That always makes he's, he's so happy. So <laughs> never so happy. been a man so happy yeah. in the history of the world. I know, Matthew. Where does it stand for you in England World Cup goals? I don't know if it's the greatest, but I'd say it's definitely the most dramatic. Don't you think? I mean, just just the sheer timing of it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I remember just expecting penalties, thinking almost preparing for penalties, thinking, well, this is. For, for certain going to penalties and that was the, the last thing I expected but uh, but yeah and, it, and not just dramatic but what a great art to be able to hit a ball that's basically coming over your shoulder to hit it back across goal and uh, right into the side of the net wasn't it right into the, sort of that, oh, just, just all, inside the post it's um, all about technique it's a yeah. pure technique I mean it really set David Platt up didn't it for the uh, become that breakout staff of the tournament not yeah. just for England and then obviously he went to, to Italy and did very well out there but that I mean yeah I can, I can watch that goal over it, and over again It really set the tone for the, the tournament as well because as we've discussed before there was, this World Cup for England did really sort of stumble along um, particularly the group stages it was all a bit dour played well against Holland then got through against Egypt and then this looked like it was going to go the same way as I mentioned in my diary there uh, Belgium hit the post a couple of times I thought they probably the better team and then I think England had a goal disallowed I seem to remember but um, not a not a vintage performance so and then but then the way they won it I think it sort of sparked the tournament into life and then that's when it captured everyone's imagination and I think from that point on it was it became the Euro night uh, the World Cup 90 that everyone sort of looks back on now on these annoying TV shows you know everyone seems to forget how the they were slated for the performance against Ireland and and uh and the group games, but certainly the, the, the turning point for the tournament, and uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant moment. Mm. I'd say more of that tomorrow night, but who knows what we, what team they're going to put out and what they actually want to finish in the group. But yeah, a good memory and very apt as well. We were playing Belgium uh, tomorrow night as we record this, and the World Cup 2018. Well, that was this week in the 90s. We got through quite a lot there, gents. Donald Trump, Corey, neighbours, and everything else. Um, only remains to us to where people can follow you and follow these diaries, of course, as well, Matthew. You put it, actually before we do, you put out a tweet tonight, uh, Matthew, um, of your yeah. notes. One one picture seems to be of an anatomy of a footballer. What is that all about? That is because uh, Brian Robson was sent home early. Was he came home early from yes. the ninety World Cup? And the, one of the papers I used to cut out everything about. Well, mostly United, but pretty much anything. And they basically just did like a sort of, uh, you remember that game operation where the guy's sort of lying on his back? They did that and they've basically gone through everything that Brian Robson's ever done to himself and and how he's injured himself. And that is a a cutout. I'll I'll take a proper picture of it and and share it on there because it's quite interesting. The funny thing is, you know, we all know the story now why Brian Robson came home in early with that injured toe. It's because he he, he dropped the bed. They all came in pissed after a night out <laughs> yes and uh but robson was in bed uh, well no uh, someone else was in bed and they tried to bundle bundle them onto the floor and uh drag the bed across the floor and it ripped uh it ripped england captain brian robson's toenail clean off and yeah. it's oh, funny because, oh. because i remember the, getting the news that in the build-up to that tournament that robson had injured his toe and he was doubtful and he could come home early and all that and not once did it cross my mind that it had been done in a drinking incident in a hotel room in uh, in Sardinia. But all these years on, we found out that's exactly what it was. I mean, that's so ludicrous. Like, even if, you know, the game's changed so much. Like, imagine anybody going out drinking during the World Cup now. It's absolutely yeah. farcical. Well, apparently, Rob's, but Bobby Robson got them all downstairs the next day and basically said, right, who was it? I know who was involved. Own up. You know, you've got to apologise and all this. But, but Robson never really recovered, did he? He came home 
uh, after the group stage, he, he flew home. So it was obviously serious enough to, to put him out of another World Cup. Oh, poor old but, Robbo. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, that was um, Scott Tweed, friend of the show, who pointed that out on Twitter as well. Um, and if people want more of the same from you, Matthew, where can they find you on the social? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Matthew J. Christ. There we go. And Gerald, where can people find you uh, tweeting about all your tweetness? All my tweetness? Yeah, I'm just I've made... some, some good stuff today. I got yeah. sent. Did you see the nice present I got sent? No, uh, no I, I don't think I got sent some original Viz artwork today. Oh, uh, was that what that was? Yeah, I did, I did yeah, see that on Instagram. Yeah. Some original Viz artwork for um, it's major misunderstanding out of Viz, and I love it. It's getting framed as we well, not probably not as we speak since half 11 at night, but it is getting framed anyway. Yeah, Joel Baby Herc for more interesting things like that. Mm. I, I almost wanted to sing Tweetness is your weakness there, like Michelle yeah. Gale. Michelle Gale, I was thinking yeah. exactly yeah. the and, same and, thing. And, and she, is she still married to Mark Bright? No, I don't think she is actually. No, but, no, but that's that a tune. That's, that been a that's an absolute tune that is anyway you can follow me at Ash Rose but more importantly follow the show at AK90s uh, you're we... not going to change the handle are you I was going to pull you up about it um, well no one mentioned it so probably not no <laughs> that's good um, you can't be getting rid of a four a four digit handle no I suppose it's yeah it's quite it's quite handy isn't it um, we'll be back next week um, we've got a full length show with everything goes to plan next week that uh, we've been teasing so we'll look out for Twitter on that as we'll be talking football themes Theme song with a very famous voice as Joel will be talking to somebody next week for here on Alive and Kicking. But until next time, I've been Ash Rose. This is This Week in the 90s. Until next time, keep it 90s. Alive.